Welcome to the Variety Hour, where local leaders talk Memphis. Listen to you, move your mouth. I bet you come from way down south. Now don't tell me, let me guess. You from the town that I love best. Talk Memphis, I wish you would. Talk Memphis, you sound so good. Talk Memphis, high on the bluff. I swear I can't get enough. Welcome to Talk Money. And now here's your host, Jim Shoemaker. And welcome to Talk Money. You know, the, the tax laws have changed, and 43% of you actually complete your tax returns. That's four out of 10. So the reality is, we want to find out what charitable causes are changed about how we want to be doing our finances this year and our tax returns. So many people want to help charitable causes. By giving money and as assets that they have worked hard to acquire, and depending on an individual circumstances, there may be ways to donate to a cause that allows for tax breaks or deductions that can impact the way you give to the money, whether the cost of the giver. We're going to discover ways to help lower the cost of giving gifts and some very effective ways to give money at the same time. My guest is Ted Miner. We'll be talking to him in the future, in the, just a few minutes, and we'll find out more ways that you can look at your tax and figure out exactly how you're going to do your char- charitable giving this year. Also with me today, former basketball coach and now financial coach, Latrice McLean. She's going to be discussing the fundamentals of good money management, teaching high school students and college students about the basics from building your credit to protecting your identity. You'll want to stay with us as we learn from the coach. From our Did You Know files, the size of the U.S. bond market, listen to this, $42 trillion. The size of the U.S. stock market, $32 trillion. The size of the U.S. economy, $20 trillion. I just need you to get that. That's a lot of money, trillions. The size of the Chinese economy is $12 trillion. So just keep that in perspective when you start thinking about the U.S., the size, and how we need to be thankful the way we have been blessed. Small Business Optimism Index is a monthly measurement that has been published for 45 years by the National Federation of Independent Businesses. Guess what? This is important for you. It has reached its highest level ever in August of 2018. This index is based upon small business owners' expectations on hiring, business growth, and profitability. This August report broke the previous index high set in, you ready, July of 1983. I had lunch yesterday with someone, a small business owner, and he I told him about this, and he said, absolutely. He said, I have not seen it like this in my history as a small business owner, and I'm quoting him. And the reality is, it is a sense of excitement when you think about the business growth, profitability, and expectations on hiring. Stay with me because we've got a packed show today. If you have questions for Talk Money, send them to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. To find today's programs on podcast or past programs on a podcast, go to iTunes and search for Shoemaker Financial. Like us on Facebook. We would appreciate it. Coming up, Latrice McLean and Ted Miner, fundamentals of good money management and effective ways to help lower the cost of giving gifts to your favorite charity. 
I'm Jim Shoemaker. You're listening to The Voice, KWAM 990 and FM 107.9. This is Talk Money. Podcasts of Talk Money are available in the iTunes store. Just search Shoemaker Financial. We'll be right back with more Talk Money after this. Jim Shoemaker and Ted Miner are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Security and Financial Services, Inc. Securities dealer, member FNRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Latrice McClinn is a registered representative. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. Well, you know, when we talk about money on this program, so many of you are asking questions and you go through that process. And we so much appreciate what you do. But today's program is designed for you to take notes around the questions that we've been getting from you about teaching young people about money. And I tell you, it is a challenge because money flows and it's so easy. And all of a sudden, you're trying to make sure that that child has learned that they need to do some fundamentals. Maybe it's, you know, creating a budget. You talk to a child about a budget in college. It's like talking a foreign language. I've been there. I've done that. I've tried that. It doesn't work. <laughs> you know, you had a daughter. I have a, you know, I give a, just to give you a fact here. My daughter looked at me and said, Dad, why do I need a budget? I got your credit card. I mean, that was all she needed. And that's, and by the way, whether I took it from her or not, she remember, she had the number down pat. So that's the problem. So we've got someone here who is very aware and very involved and does a lot of teaching to young people. And uh, we'll be speaking at one of the universities in just a few days. And I really appreciate the fact that she has been involved with teaching Young people in college about, co- you know, from a basketball standpoint, and but the reality is now she's teaching them about money management, the fundamentals, just having a good understanding about the basics of finance. My guest, Latrice McLean. Welcome to the program, Latrice. Thanks, Jim. It's good to be here this morning. You know, one of the biggest issues is that first experience that everybody has managing money. And I want you to tell me uh, your first experience. Just, just start us out at that level or the first experience that you remember? Well, you know, I don't know if this first experience was fun or not, but to start out, it was fun. So uh, I had graduated from high school and, you know, I'm from a small town in North Georgia and uh, the people gave me cards. And of course, in the cars, the first thing I look for is the money. I don't think I read the the cover, the front (laughs) part of the card, but um, I collected $300. So that was a big deal to me. Uh, first thing my mom says is, you know what? We're going to go and open you a savings account. What's a savings account? What? <laughs> so we opened up the savings account and my $300 was sitting there and I had a boyfriend that summer. So as you can tell, I just said I had a boyfriend. So obviously it was, it was pretty a uh, brief relationship, but he just kept bothering, bothering me about getting some Jordans, some basketball shoes. I'm like, okay, well, how much do these Jordans cost? Mind you, remember, I had $300, right? Right. That's two-thirds of my savings account. He bugged me so much that finally I said, okay, I'll give you the $200 to get the Jordans. Lo and behold, my car breaks down. My mom and my stepdad took it to the mechanic to see what was wrong with it, see how much it would cost to get it fixed. Guess how much it cost to get it fixed? $300. (laughs) Did you go back to the boyfriend at this point? Well, at this point, no, I did not because he had already purchased those shoes. I don't even know if he spent the entire $200. 
But I didn't tell my mom that uh, two thirds of that account was gone because she had said, you know what, we'll just pull the money from the savings account. We'll be fine. So like I said, I didn't tell her and, and she found out. So the lesson I learned was that love is both deaf and it's blind. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure there's a lot of college students that could share with that testimony. Also sharing with us today is Ted Miter. Welcome to the program, Ted. Good morning, Jim. Glad to be here, too. You know, this is is a topic. You've had children that you've had to go through this process. And, I mean, you know, and as I was telling you about my daughter, what did you, with your kids, what was the experience with, with teaching young people how to manage money. It's just not as easy as it sounds. No, it isn't. And, you know, there's there's all sorts of characteristics from different generations in terms of how they, how they deal with money. But uh, I can recall my, my children, when they started young, I tried that by giving them an allowance, telling them things they had to do, uh, make them some provisions, some of the things they had to put aside in this particular jar for a certain purpose and this jar for a certain purpose. And, and those were things that they learned at at five and six and seven and eight years old, they didn't necessarily know what they were there for. They just knew this amount of money went here, this amount of money went here. Later on, they knew what that was for. And that's a good experience. That's a teaching experience that they go through. So, Latrice, let's talk about this. Some of the top financial concerns of college students today, I mean, they're under tons of pressure. I mean, I don't know if I can handle being a college student in the day's world. So tell me what are some of the financial concerns that you've done a lot of research, because you are teaching college kids. If you would like to have Latrice talk to your college students, just give her a call. But you're teaching just, I think, coming up tomorrow or the next day or something, one of the large universities in this country. Yes. And uh, I'm excited for you to be doing that. But but Mm -hmm. tell us, what what, what are some of the concerns? It's amazing. So there there are four concerns. And um, I was shocked that the first one was the number one concern, and that's building your credit. And I think what that has to do with also with building your credit is thinking about credit card debt, uh, student loan debt, that's a big issue. And, and we know with the, you know, just with what we do every day with our jobs, we talk to people and student loan debt is a big problem. It's a tremendous problem. Yes. Uh, the second one is creating a budget. Like you said earlier, uh, what's a budget? <laughs> These kids need to be taught what a budget is. The third one is building their savings. And, and obviously I learned quickly what the, uh, a savings account was. And finally, protecting their identity. They, um, and not just the college students, but adults, this is a big problem with us as well. And this is on a rise. And later I'll give you some statistics about identity theft. You know, one of the things you mentioned earlier when we were talking about the program, that literally four out of 10 of these kids today yeah. in school do not track their spending. No. It's just pretty much whatever. And, you know, I, I want to shake the hands of the six out of 10 that do, because that's mm-hmm. big. But when you think about it, four out of 10 don't. And this, uh, you know, that that type of program that we're talking about, that's from Huntington Post, by the way, that statistic. But the reality is, it's a real. it's just this thought process that you know, they're, they're faced with so many decisions, and mom and dad, mm-hmm. by the time they get to that point, if they don't have college set aside, as we try to teach, it's a stress for everybody. You know, Jim, uh, those four things that uh, Latrice just mentioned, they don't change through life. You know, building a budget, you know, it's it, you get an older person, and of course, especially someone where the kids have all finished college, and now they're being, they got more money than they actually need, and they, yeah. they, don't, they don't track their money either. And I call it cash flow because I hate the word budget, but building a budget, credit, uh, identity theft, all those things are important to every generation out there. So it's not just the young people that need that teaching. 
Exactly, and that's something we never need to forget. Latrice, you mentioned there's two two very important things. Whether it's and Ted's just set us up for this. Whether it's that young person in college or the grand person, grandpa, you know, with Scottish grandchildren, it doesn't make any difference. There's two things that we all have to boil down to say. I got to develop these two things. This the foundation has got to be self discipline and creating good habits. Uh, have that, to have discipline. That is so easy to say. You know, but yet very difficult to do. And that's the part of this that we need to help people understand. You have to start early. And what Ted was saying when they were five and six and seven years old, he was building some good habits. And that's what every parent listening to this program today has to understand. Don't wait till they're 30 years old. That's Mm -hmm. a little late. (laughs) You know, it needs to be when they're five, six, and seven years old. Start teaching and going through that process. Look, Patrice, let's go through these things. You said create a budget, build your savings, protect your identity, and then, you know, build credit, things like that. Go through the first ones, this, this idea of creating a budget. So with creating a budget, um, that's very important. You have to, first of all, say, why do I want a budget? Uh, you mentioned earlier the 43% of the uh, college students that just freely spend their money. Well, think about it. They're being taught by 32% of our households in our country. They don't have a budget. So this is where it's coming from. Just the teaching, like we said, the discipline and creating the good habits is important. It's that foundation. It's that foundation. It's the discipline. Building a savings account. Ted, what are your thoughts? Oh, you know, when I get to sit down with someone that's trying to do a financial plan, and uh, I've had some of them just sit there and think, well, I'm 65 years old. i got Social Security. I've been working all my life. It's time to retire. Most of them have not saved adequately. Mm-hmm. And I tell people, two, you need two things to retire, uh, to have enough retirement savings. Number one, you either need a lot of time or you need a lot of money, or it's nice to have both. And for, for the people that Latrice is working with, they've got a lot of time. Unfortunately, if they haven't done anything uh, in their youth, then when they get old, they need a lot of money. Well, you know, you talk about that, and again, we're back to you know discipline and habits. 59% of the working-age Americans today, defined as those people between 21 and 64, okay, have not accumulated assets for retirement. 59%. Now, Latrice, I appreciate what you're doing. You're starting with that group that's prior to that to mm-hmm. build discipline and habits. The National Institute of Retirement you know, Society says that that's just a problem in America today. We're not saving adequately. We don't mm-hmm. budget, and we're not saving adequately. We spend it. We're, we're a big spending comp- country, and there's nothing. I mean, I like our optimism. I mentioned that earlier with small businesses. But the reality is discipline and habits on those first two Things that you're talking about, Latrice, are just absolutely critical. You know, it says that a habit uh, eventually becomes an automatic behavior. So the reason why I love talking to these young people is to help them create those big, uh, those good habits where eventually this is just what they do. It's an automatic behavior. You talk about building credit. I remember yes. my first time I was a young married uh, individual you know, with a lovely wife. She's listening. It's a lovely wife. Uh, so, uh, but, the, but, but she is. She is a great lady. 46 years with this lady, so that's a good thing. So the reality is we didn't have credit. I mean, I had not established credit. I mean, here I had graduated from college, been in the military, had started work, and you know, bought my first house. Fortunately, got that. Went to buy uh, you know, a dining room suit to put it in the house. And they said, you don't have any credit. 
And I'm going, how do I do that? They said, well, you could buy this on credit. I said, I don't know that. I have bio credit. He said, you need to establish. I mean, it wasn't, my dad was a cash only type guy. He, you know, he came out of the military. He was that his mindset. And so why is building credit so important? Building credit is important and it's important to teach uh, your older high schoolers, college age students this because I don't know if, you, if any of you can go back and remember this far, but when you were in college, uh, the credit card companies really target these college students. Absolutely. Immediately. I remember getting my first one. Yes, and, and they're targeting them. So you need to uh, really teach them how to be wise and smart and, and disciplined if they do decide to go ahead and, and, and have a credit card. So make sure that they're, you know, you said wise. And, yes. uh, you know, just don't just, I mean, when a, when a student comes to you and they're looking at and asking questions about, you know, they've overextended one card. Now they get the second card. You know, they got good mm-hmm. credit, yes. you know, except when they're not making the payments. Yes, and they need to understand that, that now with everything, people are doing a credit check. Right. They're checking to see how, how strong your credit report is. That's credit actually, score is that can actually affect a person's job employment. Totally. It can affect their job employment. It can affect it if, they, if your child decides to go and get a car in her name uh, later when they go and purchase a home. Uh, and other things that big purchases that they want to make. That's so important, Mm -hmm. so important that people think that that just happens because mom and dad had it. They have to begin to start that discipline, as you said, discipline and building good habits. I think that the the credit score, because it's become more available to us today, it comes with some credit cards and and you can look it up a lot easier. I remember years ago when I I didn't know what my credit score was, had no way of knowing it. Now the kids carry that around with them. Well, here's my credit score. They got it on their on their phone. They know exactly what it is. And it's it's a it's something that they're always trying to work at to get higher and higher. So it's, it's it being more available, I think, has made it much more important to the younger generations to to monitor. I think it. That's a great point, and that and just making it available, but making them aware, yes, and sensitive to it. And I appreciate Latrice that you just kind of hammer that and make sure that's important. One of the surveys that I was looking at in preparation for this program was Experian survey, and uh, said that they had surveyed 738 adults, and one in four that had been a victim of identity theft as you're talking about identity theft, mm-hmm. still dealing with the issue 10 years later. Now, you say, you to, when you talk to these kids and you're these students, you really do focus in on identity theft. We had a program yesterday in the office with one, somebody from the FBI. What was that about? It was very good, and obviously there were mainly adults that were in the audience, but one important thing that he stated that really... Um, um, you know, really stuck with me was that, okay, if an identity theft, they steal your identity, um, if they become a criminal and um, something happens, then they're using your name. So you have a criminal record automatically. You have no idea about, but they stole your identity. If they're stole your identity, let me ask this question. Are they already a, a, theft, a criminal? <laughs> I mean, so you're right. I mean, they already got that type person. Well, talk about identity theft for me. This helps us to understand that. I mean, I know there's so much statistics out and, yeah. you know, social security numbers are being stolen and things like that. Credit card number. I mean, you just have to be so sensitive to that. What are ways that a student needs to be able to keep, keep that from happening? Well, one thing that they do um, normally is they love to go and study at like a Starbucks or Panera Bread. Mm. 
the reason why they want to go and study at these places is because the Wi-Fi is free. It's free Wi-Fi. So you have to be careful. I always say that these thieves are wolves in sheep's clothing. So you never know who's sitting around you. And um, there may be a, one of those hackers or identity thieves that's sitting around you. And they're, they're going to steal their identity just because of the free Wi-Fi and the access that they have to get uh, some very sensitive information that um, these young people um, may have. Uh, on there, whatever. Just using your your mobile device or anything yeah. like that. Somebody, I, I remember I was attending a seminar about how to protect your mobile device, and the guy that was doing it was a professional high hacker that was now teaching wow. for corporations, doing quite well, by the way. Uh, and he just decided that we all got up and he took a break. And how many people left their, you know, their laptop? Or their lap pad, their um, um, what do you call it, mini pad or whatever, iPad, La- iPad or their iPhone, all yeah. left it on the table and walked to the restroom or went out into the hallway to get a cup of coffee or something like that. He came back and he says, "I want these four, five, six, seven, nine, ten, or twelve people to stand up." He said, "I now have your identity. I have everything on your phone." Wow. <laughs> I mean, it just, you could have heard a pin drop. Mm-hmm. He had a device that all he had to do was just walk by it, hit a button, and yep. he had everything he needed. You know, Jim, we hear about these things that happen with Google and Apple and the big companies, big corporations, uh, J.C. Penney's, and all these were the identities of people that are, you have their credit cards have, have been stolen. This is a very lucrative business. Yes, it is. Uh, and that's what's sad about it. I never got the chance to, because I was one of those that had to stand up, you know, and I never got a chance to go back to him and say, did you really steal my identity? Did you really? But he sure got my attention, you know, so I can't verify that he really did what he said he did. But he yeah. said, let me tell you, the, you need to understand, there are people, as you mentioned, at Starbucks, at Panera Bread, at any place that has an open Wi-Fi that have the ability to do that. And you have to be careful. Yeah. And and another thing is shredding. Young people don't think about, okay, I'm just going to I have this document. I'm just going to throw this in the garbage can. No, it needs to be shredded. So it was interesting. The FBI agent said yesterday, there is a certain type of shredder that you need to use. Like, really? It's already going to be shredded into pieces. He said, no, people will literally possibly try to put, put those pieces together. together. Like That is serious. That is serious business. So when you run it through it, it's just cutting it in little slithers, turn yeah. it back and run yes. it Yes. <laughs> it's amazing. Well, you've been listening. Of course, I've been talking with Latrice McClan and Ted Miner. We're talking about some fundamental basics that you need to teach young people. Anywhere. Ted says start at five or six. It's about habits. It's about discipline. What we've covered so far, we've talked about building credit. We've talked about a budget. We've talked about identity theft. And all of those are extremely important. So when you think about it, credit, budget, uh, creating a savings account, something that just so many people think, ah, not this week. Stay with us. When we come back, we're going to find out just a few more things about what you should be teaching students in college, young people, about managing their money. I'm Jim Shoemaker. You're listening to Talk Money. Be sure to like us on Facebook. Just search Shoemaker Financial. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. This material represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific point in time and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information should not be relied upon as research or investment advice regarding any funds or stocks in particular, nor should it be construed as a recommendation to purchase or sell a security. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. 
Well, it's all about the fundamentals. That's what we've been talking about. My guest, Latrice McLean, Ted Miner. We're talking about teaching college students, high school students, young adults, their kids in the first grade. How do you understand and figure out the basics of finance, the basics of just managing the money that you've been entrusted with? Maybe it's only you get a dollar and a half allowance for taking out the garbage or vacuuming or washing the dishes. Or maybe you're to the point where you're about to get your first job and you're trying to establish credit. Bottom line is, do you know the fundamentals? Well, we've talked about building credit, creating a budget, building your savings account, and protecting your identity. Those four basic fundamentals, you should be experts at it, or you should be teaching someone or getting someone to teach you those four basic top financial concerns that college students have, high students are preparing to have, and that's the bottom line. We're talking with Latrice McLean. Latrice, at the end of the day, and again, I introduced you as the coach, the financial coach, because you've been a basketball coach. You've been working with kids in, in college, and the reality is you see it all the time. What's your final statement to them? It is important to remember that the foundation is teaching them to be self-disciplined and to create good habits. Uh, there's a quote that I like, and it says that discipline is the bridge between goals and accomplishments. That's, that's powerful. A, that's powerful, yes. That's, that is so powerful. I, I think you, you start out with a habit, yes. as you said earlier, and it, if, you, if you do it over and over and over, it becomes something that's automatic. Mm-hmm. You know, I brush my teeth, you know, one particular way. It's a habit. Yeah. You know, I don't allow any debt. I mean, my credit card debt, I don't mm-hmm. allow any interest. I don't want to pay interest. So that's a habit. I mean, and, it, you know, I, I like the fact today that that is something that you're talking about. It bridges. The difference between a goal and accomplishment. A lot of people have a lot of goals. Yeah. But you, at the end of the day, managing money needs to be what you've accomplished. Exactly. Thank you so much. I appreciate you today. Thank you. Uh, Ted Miner. Now, Ted, the reality that we've got in our society is that we have a tax law change that became effective January the 1st of this year. Now, I want people to understand it's simplified a lot of things. We both have looked sure. at what's going to mm-hmm. the tax returns going to look like, what we got to complete, and it it's I won't say confusing. I'll just say different. It is, it is very different. As a matter of fact, we talked this morning coming yeah. over here how we've looked at the proposed form, right. and how it looks a lot different, different. Than, than it. I'm not going to say easier or more complicated, but it is the reality different. So let me ask you this. With that in mind, we're into the season where I've been to some charitable events here recently. I'm being asked, you know, and it's just that time that I begin to prepare for charitable, my charitable giving right. at the, for 2018. So with the tax law changes, how do you get the most impact from what we're going to be doing as our contributions. Well, and, it, and it's not just from the tax law changes, but it, it, the tax law changes has heightened it because what's going to happen is a lot of people are going to get around in January, February next year and start getting their, their all their receipts and everything together and give them to their accountant or start doing it themselves. As you said, a lot of people do it themselves. Mm-hmm. And they're going to find out that they're not going to have to itemize because the standard deduction has doubled. Standard deduction for a married filing joint has gone from 12700 to 24000 so now you got to get over $24,000 in itemized items to be able to itemize, to be able to beat the standard deduction. Mm. There are, 
you know, different articles that I've read, and there's different estimates out there. But because of this, they think that a lot of people may stop giving because they don't see the value in giving because they're not getting a deduction, so to speak, because they don't have to anymore. They're getting it in the standard deduction. And so there are some things that people can do that they're not doing that we're just trying, because of this, we're just trying to bring to their attention that make it a little easier and more effective uh, in terms of the way they give, and it doesn't cost them as much. Now, I know you happen to do this subject that you do. You're actually doing some seminars about this because a lot of your clients and a lot of people have asked, just what about this? What is the reality? And I think it's a, it's a subject that a lot of people want to know more information about it. Absolutely. So help me with this. Are you finding that more people do their tax return, or is it less, or or, or what? Are, how many people do their tax return? Well, I think that the 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 fact that you can go online and get uh, get a uh, uh, log in and and you've got software to help you do it, I think that's helped a lot of people do it. A lot of people that keep track of things that may use Quicken already to have their data, they can download that data right into an app. That, uh, that does their taxes for them. So there's a lot of people that have started using those tools, and and there's some that are free on uh, with their phone that they keep mm-hmm. track of their expenses and stuff. So it's making it easier with all the software that's available for people. So, yes, more and more people are doing it themselves. Doing themselves. And this, this change, because there's going to be a lot more people uh, that are now going to be able to use the short form, the 1040, because they don't have to itemize. And it's going to cause a lot more people to look at that and want to do it themselves. All right. Well, let's go through this. Qualified, when we think about a qualified charitable distribution, okay? You, you know what I'm saying? Oh, qualified yeah. Qualified charitable distribution. Help a, me with a it. qualified charitable distribution is something – this is something that uh, – Anyone that, that is required to take a distribution from their IRA, normally if a person has an IRA account, they've got retirement money setting aside. Once they've turned 70 and a half, the government starts telling them, hey, you've got to start taking some of that money out. And the penalty is huge if they don't take that money out. The, uh, there is one way that you can that can really cut your 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 cost in donating money to a charity is if you take the money directly from the QCD, which is called Qualified Charitable Distribution, and you have it sent directly to the charity, it never shows up as income, which is just like it being a complete deduction. And then you can still do a standard deduction. And Jim, let me just use this example. Uh, you know, there's a, in the seminar, there's an example of a, of a gentleman, let's say he makes $65,000 a year. Not yeah, a, just, a, just, a, just a hypothetical example of somebody, just to give you some, some ideas of what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, and, what, and what's important about the example is that this is not somebody with a lot of money. He makes 65000 or he brings in $65,000 of income a year, and he donates $6,500 to his church. All right, I'm going to ask you to pause. Okay. He's got, it's, this is a, so how old is he? Uh, he says over 70 and a half. Okay, over so he's got it. He he's has to do take, the required minimum distribution. Right. And now you're taking it and moving it to a qualified. He's going instead of donate instead of taking and every month sending a check to the church, he's going to end up sending we'll talk about the, the change, the difference in it. He's going to send a check from his IRA directly to the charitable institution and it changes things and we'll talk about how right. much it changes. When we things. come back, we're going to find out exactly how it changes. Really how the effect is. You don't want to miss this. It's important that you understand exactly what he's talking about. A qualified charitable distribution. It's from your IRA. You can do that. It's legal. And And by the way, it's going to save you some money. You're listening to Talk Money. I'm Jim Shoemaker. 
If you have questions you'd like to have answered on the program, email them to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. There are many great moments in the career of Senator Kenneth McKellar. He was the first senator from Tennessee to complete more than three terms, having served from 1917 to 1953, and held the position of President Pro Tem of the Senate under the current system in Congress during the Truman administration. With two economic landmarks named in his honor, Lake McKellar next to the Memphis Industrial District on President's Island and McKellar Airport in Jackson, Tennessee, it comes as no surprise that the senator was an early supporter of the creation of the Tennessee Valley Authority during the New Deal era. Despite the initial support, McKellar's relationship with the TVA grew strained over time as Tennessee landowners felt they were not properly reimbursed for property acquired by the TVA. McKellar, who served as chairman of the powerful Appropriations Committee, intervened on the landowner's behalf. He knew that the uranium enrichment program for the Manhattan Project, which created the atomic bomb, was heavily dependent on the electricity produced by the TVA and threatened to defund the program until the TVA fully reimbursed the landowners. After President Roosevelt's death, his successor, Harry Truman, did not appoint a vice president, which placed McKellar next in line to become president until the law was changed in 1947. After running for a seventh Senate term, McKellar lost to Albert Gore Sr. in 1952. A longtime ally of E.H. Crump, McKellar's defeat in the senatorial race, coupled with the victory of an anti-Crump progressive candidate in the gubernatorial election, marked the end of an era in Tennessee public life. This has been another Mid-South History Moment, brought to you by Shoemaker Financial. Financial advisors do not provide specific tax or legal advice, and this information should not be considered as such. You should always consult your tax or legal advisor regarding your own specific tax or legal situation. And now, back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. Well, we're talking with Ted Miner and Latrice McLean. We're talking about the, the idea behind a qualified charitable distribution. Now, everybody, if you're over 70 and a half, you're required to take a required minimum distribution. So now Ted's kind of given us the idea behind something that's very legal, something that's in the tax law and that you can do, but so many people don't do it or don't know about it. So Ted's kind of walking us through this, and he's set us up with a hypothetical type of person, this guy, let's name him John. He's over 70 and a half. He's got so many, he's $65,000 a year in income. Talk about him. Okay. And he has, and he has an IRA and he has to take $6,300 from his IRA. He's required to do that. That was his required minimum distribution. That's correct. And he's already given $6,500 to his church. So we're not going to change any of that. There's only one thing we're going to change. We're going to change, instead of him writing a check every month or every week out of his checking account to his church, He's going to take his money from the IRA and have it sent directly to his church. All right, let me ask you this. Can I do this out of anything else except an IRA, or can I do it out of my 401k? No. Okay, so it has to be its required minimum distribution is the key. That's correct. And so if you had a 401k or a simple IRA or a SEP IRA, now you can roll over each of those into an IRA and then take advantage of this. But as they are, you can't do it as as as, as they are as a SEP or a simple. Okay. You have to make them a standard, a traditional IRA to do this. So what he does uh, in this particular example, if you look at his taxes, 
based upon the fact that he doesn't itemize. So he's got $65,000 worth of income. He's married, uh, filing joint. Uh, he's over 70 and a half. His, his tax bill is $4,227. He's filed a short form. He couldn't itemize before, and he certainly can't he itemize, itemize now because okay. he's got $24,000. So now he's going to take that, that amount, the amount of money he's given to the charity, and he's going to take it from his IRA. In doing that, he, he satisfies his RMD that the government requires him to take. Which was 6500 Which was 6300 6, okay. but, but he can send the 6500 Okay. 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 And you can send up to a hundred thousand dollars this way. Okay. So it's it, it can, for someone that gives a lot of money to charity, they can really they can really benefit quite a bit from this. So at this particular point, now when he does his taxes, sixty five hundred dollars does not show up as income, and his income drops down to fifty seven thousand whatever, and his tax bill drops seven hundred and eighty dollars just by doing that one thing. And I got a question: Do you think seven hundred and eighty dollars is important to a person that makes sixty five thousand dollars a year? Over seventy and a half. Uh, over seventy and a half. Bottom line: Let me think about that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I yeah. got an answer for you. Let me tell you. Know, the reality is that is so simple, and yet why is it not done? I mean, you've you've done some research. You've done. You've talked to a lot of people. It's kind of like oh, I, I, I uh, it, uh, you know, yeah, yeah. You know, well, uh, you know, Jim. Let me tell you. I designed this when I put this thing together. This this program. What I did. I thought in my mind. I said, What are some of the things that we know as professionals? that the common person doesn't know out there, that they're not taking advantage of it. And I just envision, in my mind, I envision, uh, looking at a church, I envision a lot of elderly people that are giving money to the church that are have required minimum distributions that they've got to take that are not taking advantage of this. And they don't have to give more money. This is All they have to do is, save, is change the way they're giving their money, and it saves them money. No, you know, and the biggest concern that a lot of people have in this whole idea, and what I appreciate what you're doing, and because you're just talking about this is, you said it could be up to $100,000. That's right. That's a lot yeah. of money. But the reality is this is a lot of people, good, solid, down-to-earth, middle-class, way-to-go type, worked all their life. $65,000 a year. And, yeah, yeah $65,000 a year. And all of a sudden, and they're they're faced with this thought that well, I can't itemize. I mean, what? And so there's this decision, and yet there's a way that they can have a big impact. Absolutely. And not only to the charity, but it saves them money too. Yeah. In this particular case, he gets to take the full standard. If he was itemizing, he would just take what what is what he totals up on his on his Schedule A, the itemization. But with uh, with this, he's able to take the sixty five hundred dollars. Out of income and gets twenty four thousand dollars as a standard deduction. He gets both of those in doing this, so it's very very powerful for someone that is is even in a lower tax bracket. Well, I want to remind everybody now: Ted and I are not giving tax advice. We're just telling you what's available. When it comes down to it, seek out your CPA or your tax advisor to get as much. But we know that literally forty three percent of the Americans today use a digital tool. And maybe we're going to see that number increase because of this simplification somewhat of the tax return, tax act, and uh, 28% use your accountant. We're just telling you, be sensitive. Don't be foolish when it comes back. And Latrice, you laid that out to us earlier, building habits and being disciplined. Yes. That is so powerful. And that's really what we're talking about here. Yes. And and just with everything uh, that we're discussing, that's why it's so important to work with a financial professional that can help you with things like this with your tax information 
and finding that CPA that can give you this information that's right. going to help you in the long run. And that's critical to tie it all together, to put it so that we're working through this. Ted, when you talk about the individual IRA, include this is this is let's make sure everybody understands. Not a four hundred one k. That's right. Not a SEP. That's correct. Explain a SEP. Well, the SEP is these are you know these different retirement programs have different parameters in terms of how much money can be put into them each year. So many people, some that may be self-employed or something, will set up a SEP instead of a traditional, so that they can put a lot more money into it for retirement. Now, after they after they retire or something, they can take that SEP IRA and roll it into a traditional, traditional. IRA. But originally, it was set up so they might be able to put twenty five or or thirty thousand dollars a year instead of just the fifty five hundred or the sixty five hundred they put into a traditional IRA. But it has to be in an IRA to do this, and that's so that's really important. Now, the charity when you're making it this gift of charity, I think you use the church. Does it have to be a public charity, or, or what's the what's the? It that? does does have to be a public charity. Uh, it's got to be a, a charity that's recognized by the United States government. Uh, but there are so many uh, more benefits to this that that affect many different tax brackets. A lot of people may recognize the fact that when you're in retirement, when you're over 70 and a half, that you have Social Security, you've got Medicare. Medic- Go ahead. Pause. We're going on a break, aren't we? We're going to come back. <laughs> because the reality is we're talking about something that's powerful when it comes to your giving. And we're in that season where everybody's thinking about giving. I mean, you're thinking about we, – we happen to be – Memphis and Shelby County is the second – I mean, second in in the total giving for per population, second only to Salt Lake City. You know, that's a that badge that we ought to wear wow. and and talk about a lot because that just says we're very much a philanthropic, charitable, giving type of society. When we come back, I'm going to ask Ted and, and Latrice to walk us through some additional benefits when we talk about this whole idea behind a qualified, now that's what we've been talking about, qualified charitable distribution. I want to make sure everybody gets this. Too important for us to miss it. Stay with us. I'm Jim Shoemaker, and you're listening to Talk Money. Podcasts for Talk Money are available for iOS mobile devices in the iTunes Store. Just search Shoemaker Financial. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. Well, welcome back. My guests today, Latrice McLean and Ted Miner. We've talked about those things that children, education people, when we're talking about those kids in college, we're talking about educating them about financial independence, financial basics. Latrice has given us that, and we're going to come back to that in a few minutes. But at this point, Ted, you are helping us understand this idea behind a qualified charitable distribution. Now, let me set this up because I want to make sure I'm understanding it. I've got a an IRA. A lot of people have an IRA. I'm now over 70, 70 and a half, and I have to take a required minimum distribution. And you said it's substantial penalties for not doing that. Yeah, if you do not take that, if you don't take your required minimum distribution, the penalty, not the tax, the penalty is 50%. So if the government requires, in the case, in the example that we're using, that individual was required to take $6,300 a year. If he did not take $6,300 in that year, and it goes up the next year, because the older you get, the percentage goes higher. Right. So the $6,300, he is, he is penalized 
half of that amount. Half of the sixty-three. So three thirty-one hundred and fifty bucks. That's the penalty. That's not the tax. That's the penalty. <laughs> and then he has to pay the tax on the money. So now up to nine thousand dollars. <laughs> you know, the bottom line is, well, let's make sure everybody understands. This is money that has not been taxed. You've gotten a deduction. That's correct. The government says now it's time to pay. So they're requiring us at seventy and a half to make the payments. And you've talked about this thing called not the required minimum distribution. You've talked about the idea behind it being a qualified charitable distribution and by and the government recognizes r- recognizes it as a qualified charitable distribution if it's coming out uh if you're over 70 and a half you have to be over 70 and a half it's coming out of a qualified ira and you have an rmd that you have to take then it's a qualified charitable distribution and does not get included as income now now let me just clarify something you end up putting it on your 1040 but you have to put a note beside of it that says QCD to show why. Because there's two lines there. It says, what's the distribution? What's taxable? And when there's a difference between the two, if you put, <laughs> I took out $6,500 and zero is taxable, they want to know why. Right. So you need to put the word QCD over on the right-hand side. So the reality is that's why, as Latrice said, finding someone that can help you through this, getting some tax advice from a tax advisor, CPA, Working with a professional, CP, CFP, working with someone that knows what's going on, a financial advisor like we just just don't take a chance of doing it yourself. This is kind of you want to do the first time, you want to get some good advice. Now, I know, Ted, you do a seminar on this. You talk about it with a lot of people. Uh, it's important that people know that. They can call the office if they want to know more about that. Give us some insight. We covered some of these big benefits, but there's others, and I put you on pause because you were just about to talk about yeah. them. So let's go through those. Well, benefits. the example that we use was someone that's in a very uh, in a, in a, in the first tax bracket. Now, there are other benefits. When you get into retirement, you actually have today your Medicare Part A and Part D premiums that you're paying is based on your income. And there's some high levels of income there that it goes up. I mean, it starts off at $135, and it goes up into the 400 range. It's significant for your income. So if you're giving money to charity, the fact that you would give a QCD, a qualified charitable distribution, it would lower the income, and it might get you below one of those thresholds that actually drop your premium for your Part A and your Part D on Medicare. Mm. That would be one uh, huge benefit. Uh, you also, if you're taking Social Security, Social Security is taxed based upon your income. So if it's lowering your 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 adjusted gross income, then it's also possible that you may lower it enough to where the taxation on your Social Security benefits also drop. Uh, for people in a high income tax bracket, we know we've got that 3.8 percent investment income once you get above a certain level. So. Given your charitable contributions by QCD may drop you below the level and actually drop that 3.8% extra tax and the 0.9% additional Medicare tax uh, that they may have. So there's lots of potential benefits from it. So what I appreciate you saying, at the the end of the day, the reality here is, think about it, if you're over seven and a half and you've got an IRA. And you're giving to charity. And you're giving to charity. What happens? There's no better way to do it than to give it by QCD. And just quit writing paper checks. Yeah. I mean, that's the bottom line. I mean, that is so simple for me to understand. I mean, that it, it makes sense. And it's it's a shame there's a lot of people don't understand it. But there's a lot of people that don't understand a lot about government programs and rules. There's so many of those those meticulous little nuances in our tax system that a lot of people just don't don't know it. Well, if you want to ask Ted more about this, just give him a call, 757-5757. Latrice, at the end of the day, we go through so much about talking about, you know, what we're trying to do as far as this fundamentals. 
and teaching fundamentals, and, and I appreciate the fact that way you cover those for us. But review them for me one more time. You talk about those things that really you said the top financial concerns of yep. college students today. Let's make sure we get them in for our listening audience. Yeah, those concerns are building your credit, building your savings, um, creating a budget, and then uh, protecting your identity. And all four of those roll up to say, you know, just don't forget that this is important. Yes, because you eventually will, they will eventually become uh, an adult. Oh, yes, they are going to grow up. (laughs) They are going to grow up. 43% of college students do not track their spending. Latrice, you, you so clearly said discipline is the bridge between goals and accomplishments. That's a statement by Jim Ron, and I, you know, I think that's so powerful. I mean, we need to build habits, we need to create discipline, and that's what your your presentation as a financial coach for these college students is so important for them to understand it. Ted, I, I appreciate the fact that we have covered some heavy stuff today. Qualified distribution, and that is that is so big. I mean, because people don't know about it. So we talk about a qualified charitable distribution. Summarize what you want everybody to understand what we've been talking about. Well, it also comes back to the stati- the, the stat that you mentioned there, Jim. I was with uh, United Way, and and they mentioned the fact that that Shelby County was either number one or number two, and they trade out, they flip with Salt Lake City. Right. That blew me away. But that is something we ought to be proud of. So there's so many people in the radio audience that give money to charity. If they also have a IRA and they're over 70 and a half and they have to take a, a distribution from it. The most effective way for them to do it is to take the money from their IRA, have the custodian of that IRA account, send a check directly to the charity. So they've got it and it won't show up as income and they'll save on taxes on that money. And that's just a fact. That's a bottom line. I mean, I think so many people need to understand that we're not talking about complicated things here. We are talking about habits. We're talking about discipline. We're talking about understanding and stepping outside maybe their comfort zone. Maybe they hadn't thought about doing this. Mm-hmm. Stop maybe doing it the way you've always done it in the past and say, hey, I'm going to think about what I can do for the future. That's so good. Thanks, guys. I appreciate you being here today. Thanks so much for a good program. Thank you. Thank Enjoyed you. it. Mm-hmm. Well, you've been listening, of course, to Talk Money. Of course, this is The Voice, KWAM 990 and FM 107.9. My guests, Latrice McClant and Ted Miner, have done a great show. If you want to listen to this program, you want to talk with them, just give them a call, 757-5757. We hope you've enjoyed the program as much as we have enjoyed bringing it to you, and we always say to you, thanks for listening. If you have questions for Talk Money, send them to Talk Money at ShoemakerFinancial.com. To find today's program on podcast or past programs, go to the iTunes store and search for Shoemaker Financial. Be sure to like us also on Facebook. I'm Jim Shoemaker. Thanks so much for being a part of today's program. This is Talk Money. Talk Money is produced by Greg Ratliff. Guest and content coordination, Francis Fortner. Production assistant, Eleanor Moskovitz. Compliance officer, Tommy Armstrong. Mid-South History Moment, Rebecca Brazier and Drew Johnson. We'll see you next week on Talk Money. Jim Shoemaker and Ted Miner are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Security and Financial Services, Inc. Securities dealer, member FNIRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Latrice McClinn is a registered representative. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. Money, money, money.